God's grace, His mercy, and His peace are yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's been happening, and it's been happening for quite a long time. And it's only now that we're really beginning to realize it as a nation, I think. Because this last week, it was very shocking when Anthony Bourdain killed himself. Suicide. Uh, The week before, Katie Spade. And if you go and look for a list of people, famous people who have killed themselves, the list is very long, just for 2018. And quickly after Anthony Bourdain news came out, there was an article that examined suicide and comparing it from what it used to be to what it is now. And it was kind of disturbing because suicide rates have gone up dramatically the last couple of years. Even one state jumping 58% more suicides than before during the time that they studied this. And you look at it, and it's been happening, and maybe we see it happen once in a while, but now it seems like it's almost really real. Everyone's really concerned about suicide, depression, everything that goes along with it. But I think there's a problem, too, as well. When we first heard that Anthony Bourdain died, the news articles that came out, it was shocking that he killed himself, yes, but then there was something about those articles that really shocked me too. Because it said he killed himself. And it said he did have some problems in his life. But then the rest of it was a eulogy. Literally good words about Anthony. After I got to the end of the article, I know the the authors weren't intending this, but when I got to the end, I kind of felt good about Anthony Bourdain and and that he he killed himself. And all of a sudden, this thing that is so dramatic and so so horrible for not only Anthony, but his people, his, his family, is couched in such good that we begin to lose sight of the real issue that's here. We gotta call it as it is. We gotta say this is this is bad. This is bad that these percentage points keep getting bigger and, and bigger throughout the years. There's something going on, there's something happening because the CDC says many of these people that are, are taking their lives, they're they're not diagnosed with anything. They had no problem, but all of a sudden they decide the time is done. It's time to end it. It's a problem. I think it's a problem that we can discover in our text today, too, a problem that's been going on for quite some time. You see our gospel lesson in Mark. It doesn't talk about death. It doesn't talk about suicide. But it gets to a core problem that is not just in this generation, but it's been throughout time, from the beginning of time. And we see exactly what Jesus says to us as the Pharisees cross the line. You see, the Pharisees, they saw something in Jesus that they didn't want to see. There's this new man on the scene who was teaching, who who people were finally flocking to. We hear that in our, our message for today. Jesus came into the town, he went to a house, and once he went to that house, so many people came into that house that he couldn't even eat bread with his disciples. He might have just taken a long journey, and he couldn't eat. And the Pharisees heard 
that Jesus was there. They heard that he was there when the crowds gathered around him, when he fed the 5,000, when he fed the 4,000. There was something that was happening, and it wasn't good for the Pharisees because they were the religious teachers. The, the, the teachers of the law, they were the ones who were in charge, who had the authority, and yet people were saying about Jesus, this man preaches with authority. It was a threat. A threat to their role in the religious world. Because they were the people that people were supposed to come to. When it came to religion and teaching and doctrine, they were the ones who had the authority, and so they were to, to, to stand there before the people and proclaim everything that the people need to know, but they weren't coming to the teachers of the law. They were going to Jesus. And whether they were going to Jesus because they actually believed Jesus or were curious about Jesus or Jesus was just popular, it didn't matter to them because this was a threat to the very authority that they felt they had in the church. And in a not-so-innocent way, they were going to try to undo that. So our lesson says the Pharisees came down from Jerusalem, literally. Jerusalem was on the hill, and they, they came down once they heard where Jesus was, and they went. They went to undermine him. And they spread the, basically this gossip. The teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. That's, that's another word for Satan. Um, a, a word that they use for the gods of their, their enemies, the Philistines, Baal, literally meaning God of flies or God of dung. They're calling Jesus a God of dung because of what he did. They said, by the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. This is why people were flocking to Jesus. Jesus was doing miracles. He was preaching with authority. The people realized that there was something different, and the thing that they so craved, Jesus had. And that's why every place that he went, there were the crowds. And the Pharisees couldn't say about Jesus, he didn't perform miracles, because the crowd saw the miracles. The teachers of the law saw the miracles. They saw a man who had demons in him, and Jesus drove the demons out and said they did the next best thing. They attacked Jesus' character. Certainly Jesus cast out that demon, they said. But don't you think that he's part of Satan? Only Satan can drive out Satan. He's working with Beelzebub, the prince of flies. They did something there that Jesus was not going to stand. You see, Jesus and the, the teachers of the laws and the Pharisees, they, they went at it at times. They, they challenged Jesus, and he always responded. But here was a different level. Because the teachers of the law called something that was holy, Unholy. Jesus warns them where that was leading. You see, Jesus just cleansed someone of the devil. Cleaned them. 
And now the Pharisees are coming and, and, and telling the people that Jesus is the devil himself because of what he did to clean that man of the devil. They were skewing everything around. They knew that their argument wasn't good. But they did it anyways because they were more concerned with the people who were coming to them with their church, with the people in their pews. And so they would say anything just to make people think and doubt Jesus. But in doing so, they crossed that line. Not only did they call what was holy unholy, the action of Jesus taking the devil out of someone, but they did it because they called the things that were not holy as if they were holy. What was holy to the teachers of the law? Their authority. That the people would come to them. That there wouldn't be one person questioning their teaching and their laws as Jesus was doing. He was, he was causing trouble for them left and right. That the people would recognize them as the, the chief authority of religion and teaching. But yet Jesus was stealing them away person by person. What was holy to them, what was precious to them, wasn't really holy. Yet to make it holy in their minds, they had to start calling the things that were actually holy as if they weren't. And Jesus brings this warning. He says, well, first he's, he goes to them and he says, your argument's just foolish. Of course, Satan's not going to work against himself. He says, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. In a few sentences, Jesus just destroys their argument. But then he says this. Starting at verse 28. I tell you the truth. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven. That's why Jesus came, to forgive. He'll forgive everything. All your sins, no matter how bad and how wicked you are, he'll, he'll forgive them all. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. This is the step that the teachers of the law took. In calling the things that are holy, unholy, they took one step towards this. The thing that is ultimately the most holy, the the thing that works holiness in God's people, the Holy Spirit that, that, that credits us with Christ's holiness, they're taking one more step towards that. A dangerous journey that Jesus says, this, if you say that the Holy Spirit, the very holy person that creates holiness in you, if you say that he is unholy, there is no hope for you anymore. You're putting yourself outside of forgiveness. And that's the journey you're taking, teachers of the law. The moment you call something holy that is not holy. And the moment you call something that is not holy as if it is, the ultimate fulfillment of that is to deny the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said this to unbelievers, hopefully to curb them. But there's a lot of warning there for us too as Christians. Because we do call things that are unholy, holy. We might not say it with our words, but the things that are precious to us. Take something like like worship. It's holy. This is where humans meet God in praise, worship. And God gives us strength through his word. And yet we find opportunities maybe to avoid it. We come with ill-thought perceptions of, well, sometimes sermons aren't that great, or the choir's not singing that well, or the AC unit is not working, or there's these things in church that just bug me, the people that bug me. We say, well, I have something more worthwhile to do. I'll stay at home. I'll go to the beach. I'll, I'll cook for, for dinner. Because how, how things are going, it doesn't seem perfect here at all. It doesn't seem holy here at all. You look around and you have sinners. Every one of us. And we get in on each other's nerves sometimes. We, we sometimes don't care for each other. Sometimes we don't love each other as we should and it, it bugs us. But, but here's the, the really holy part about this. It's a miracle that sinners are sitting here. Because here is where the holy, perfect God comes and meets sinners. A holy, perfect God that says, I will destroy your sin if you stand before me with any iniquities. And yet, he sings praises with us. He loves us. It's a miracle. It shouldn't happen that way. But why does it happen? Because here is a cross in between us. Here, Christ takes all of our sins on himself and buries them. And so when God comes to us in worship, when we come to him in song, we look holy to him. Call it what it is. Worship is holy. It's a miracle. Call it what it is. The emotion of love is not holy. It's an emotion. Yet you see how that making that holy robs God of his holy love. When people think that we, we must love, and yet God's love, which includes his discipline, his correction, commands showing us what is is good and what's bad, it all of a sudden disappears because we want to call the emotion of love holy. But that's not what is holy. God's love is holy. You can see it in our lives. As we have these things called our our desires and our, our, our maybe hobbies, our whatever it is, our agendas, and we call them holy, and we have to stick to them. And so when something gets in the way of that, we, we change around God's holiness, taking even his word, and, and leaving aside the parts that tell us, no, our agenda is bad, and only keeping the parts that tell us, yes, our agenda is good. And all of a sudden, we have 
part and parcel, God's word apart, making God's word unholy, even though it is holy, making our desires holy when they are not. That's been happening since the beginning of time. That's maybe why we got to look at this shocking percentage of suicides. Making holy what is not. So many people make holy their self-esteem or their self-image. When you make that holy, something that is actually holy has to give. Because you, you view yourself as... God, virtually, you all make yourself perfect to every single person. And when you realize you can't do that, what left is there? When fame is your holiness, when, when that is what you are striving for, and what you believe is, is good for you, and yet you, you jump over that fence and you're finally famous, and then you see five more fences that you have to jump over because the grass is always greener on the other side. You're making holiness out of what is unholy. And you see what that does to holiness. Here is what is precious to God. Your life. You, you're holy. Not because how, of how you look or how famous you are or the people you know or what you've accomplished or what you haven't accomplished. You're holy because of Christ, because this is a holy act that he did. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he could rob the house. Jesus robbed Satan. That's what it's saying. You can't go into to Satan's world. You can't believe in your, your self-esteem and your fame and, and think you're going to rob Satan when he's not tied up. He's going to get the better of you. He's gotten the better of so many people. He's convinced them that they're worthless and their life is not worth living because because they called holy what is unholy. But Christ came to the devil and he robbed him. He bound him. Taking away the, the devil's weapons, Satan's weapons, because he took away the sting of death, which is sin. So Christ takes all of Satan's possessions. He claimed us when we were sinners. He takes us back to himself. He brings us to himself and he says, Satan can't do anything anymore. You're holy already because I've made you holy. Your life is actually valuable because I gave your life value. There is no reason that you have to, to, to be depressed, to be downhearted. There, there is no reason for that because I have given you everything. I have tied Satan back. You might call the things that Anthony Bourdain went through demons. Maybe not necessarily like the, the demons that Jesus cast out of people, but they, 
there are demons. Every single person, demons, we have them. And we can sit there and we can fight against them and we, could, we think we, we make progress against them, but you can't rob a strong man unless he is tied up. And the only man to, to, to tie up that strong man is Christ himself. He did it in his death, taking our sins away from us on the cross. Satan has no hold on us. And suddenly something that's maybe so confusing. When truth and when evil has have no distinction or grasp because we don't know what is holy and what is not. When we can't grab a hold of what is good or what is bad because we're so confused with what is right and wrong because we haven't called holy what is holy, here Christ comes and he makes a very clear distinction, a cutting line. This is what is holy. God's work is holy, not ours. God's work is is holy and righteous. Blessed are those who seek after righteousness. I think we're in an epidemic right now with people who can't grab hold of what is good or what is bad. Yet here's a solution to it. There are people who have mental disorders who struggle, but there are many people who don't have any mental disorders and they still struggle because they've called holy what is unholy. Here Jesus warns us, don't step there. Don't go there. Because I have given you holiness. I have given you what you need. No one needs to to build you up with their words because God has already given you his word. He loves you. No one needs to to think you look beautiful or, or to think you are successful because God has already made you beautiful and successful because he has given you his inheritance. It's all yours. This is, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. See, even Jesus' family couldn't see holiness. That's what it says. They, they came. They, they said Jesus was out of his mind. But thank God that you and I do see it. God creates that sharp dividing line showing us what is truly holy. Always dwell on holiness. Don't ever make what is unholy as if it was holy. And there you will find comfort and there you will have a grasp on God's truth and there you will have esteem that is not coming from yourself but from God himself. May God bless us as we pray for our nation, for our people, that they too see the love and the value they have in their God. Through Christ Jesus, amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed, printed for you on the bottom of page 5 in your bulletin. We confess. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into hell and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.